All right, all right, all right. Let's get fired up here. Maximum freedom. Read. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Actual Anarchy Podcast, the podcast where we talk about movies and occasionally television shows from a Rothbardian anarcho-capitalist perspective. Tonight we have a friend from Down Under, he's our Batman man, and uh, we'll introduce him on the last nighters portion of the show in just a few moments, but we're going to be talking about Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, and I got to tell you, I think we're going to make sausage out of this one tonight because love it or hate it, Batman <laughs> versus Superman, Dawn of Justice is a movie. And uh, we'll just see how, how he defends himself with his claim that the theatrical cut isn't that great. But if you watch the extended cut, it is a near masterpiece. Um, so we'll see. This is episode 135 of the show. You find the show notes and more at actualanarchy.com slash 135. How you doing, Robert? Hey, buddy. How's it going? It's going well. Uh, this is our, our little um, moment of talking to the actual anarchy audience, giving them a little insight into our personal lives. We just hung out in live in person fuck it we did it live holy shit we did for a couple of days you were up here you hung out with the kids and it was a good time so thank you for doing that um the girls sensory overload and i didn't get violently ill for the first time ever i was super excited about that you came up to the germ germ farm and didn't harvest anything so you know good for you i think i've built up an inoculated immunity versus the petri dish that is your home i don't know how i did it but i am really excited about it super stoked Right. And then the girls, of course, got a ninja slack line for the backyard and they were having a lot of fun showing you their abilities out there. Yeah. Your little Al Qaeda training farm is looking good. I can see in like the next farm. like 10 years, you're going to have some real, real fighters or just girls who can swing on the monkey bars. Nah. I don't know. What's next? The uh, the the tires on the ground that they're going to be doing drills through. They're going to become the, the barbed wire. They're going to be crawling under. What, what they're going to become else? the. the... <laughs> The Batman, the Ben Affleck version of Batman, throwing the tires around, dragging them with a rope tied around nice. him, just doing the Rambo Rocky mashup montage. And here I am blowing content. I, I was saving that moment for our. This is content. This is the show, isn't it? Are we doing the show? Are we recording this? This is kind of the show. And you know, we had some of this banter also with our guest uh, in the pre-show, and and people can get a hold of that hot action at Patreon. So uh, go to actualanarchy.com/slash/patreon and support us there. And also the biggest thing you can do to help us out is give us reviews on iTunes slash Apple podcasts. And that boosts our ratings and gets us recommended to other people. So if you could do that, that would be sweet, special and nice. Mm, I would love it. Give you love. You know what else I'd love is getting into the last night's part of the show and introduce. Okay, fine. Right after this. All right. Everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Johnson, The Last Nighters. The Last Nighters are part of the Launchpad Media. We're always launching new ideas in your direction. Check it out at thelaunchpadmedia.com. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. This is episode 78 of the show. You can find the show notes more at lastnighters.com slash 78. 
We have a special guest. He's been with us many times talking about various iterations of the Batman. And uh, it is Shaheen from Australia. He's all the way from Adelaide. It's Saturday for him and Friday night for us. And uh, thank you so much for joining us again. We always have a good time with you. So welcome back to the show, Shaheen. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on. Yeah, now we had you on for the Dark Knight trilogy, and, and I think we broke some of those up into multi-parts. And then we also had you on for The Dark Knight Returns, which was an animated version of uh, of a Batman story. And it also includes Superman battling Batman. And uh, there's some Ancom mutant gang members in that one. And those are all very fun. So we'll put those on the show notes page here at lastnars.com slash 78. But why don't you just uh, reintroduce yourself to our audience just real quickly, and then we'll get into the Google description and start hashing this out where you can defend yourself, sir, on calling this a masterpiece with the director's cut. Oh, I will. All right. So I'm a almost 21-year-old student living in Australia right now. I'm originally from Iran. I came here when I was a little kid, so pretty much raised here all my life. And I'm a big Batman fan. That's pretty much all, of, all there is, really. That's all you need. Don't you also do some writing online? Maybe some, some places you can check that out? Yeah. Uh, I, currently, I write for uh, Backwards News. That's B-A-C-K-W-O-R-D-Z. Um, but I haven't been writing anything too recently because I've just been too busy with exams. But I'll probably get back into that relatively soon. All right. I hope. And that was a Z. And for our um, non-Canadian nor Australian counterparts, uh, that's a Z at the end of Backwards there for uh, the Americans. We're, we're Americans, but, you know, we can make fun of ourselves for being dumb. That's what Sorry. we do. <laughs> we talk about dumb stuff. All right. Uh, why do we get into that? Go, go description. Here we go. It's uh, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, 2016 science fiction, action fiction, three hours and three minutes. And that is the theatrical cut. The uh, director's cut is an additional something like 28 minutes. So about three and a half. I thought the, I th- no, I think the, the, the director's cut is the three hour version. The, the theatrical is two and a half. Okay, all right. Well, that could be. I'm just looking at the Google thing here, so it's probably not discriminating enough to let me know which one I'm actually looking at here. But it did get a 6.5 on the IMDb, 27% Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty bad, 44% Metacritic, pretty bad, uh, and 76 of Google users like it. So it did okay uh, with audiences, but the critics really hated this thing. So here's the description. It's been nearly two years since Superman's Henry Cavill, uh, played by Henry Cavill, uh, Superman's colossal battle with Zod, played by Michael Shannon. De- uh, let me say that again. Henry Cavill and, and Michael Shannon played the respective characters here. It's been nearly two years since Superman's colossal battle with Zod devastated the city of Metropolis. The loss of life and collateral damage left many feeling angry and helpless, including crime-fighting billionaire Bruce Wayne, played by Ben Affleck. Convinced that Superman is now a threat to humanity, Batman embarks on a personal vendetta to end his reign on Earth, while the conniving Lex Luthor played by Jesse Eisenberg, launches his own crusade against the Man of Steel. came out March 25th, 2016. Director is is, uh, Zack Snyder. Box office of uh, $872.7 million U.S. dollars. This is in the Justice League film series. And did you know Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, is the eighth fastest film to reach $500 million worldwide uh, in gross sales in just seven days? A little trivia thrown in on the Google description. Shaheen, mm. your comments, and we'll go to Robert. Uh, sound, it's a bit very, it's very bland in its description, but fair enough. It's, they didn't get anything awfully wrong like they usually do. Yeah, no, that's a pretty short description for such a long film. This movie does, it, Zack Snyder took, you know, he, it was obviously like he read the comic books 
and he was trying to write his own story. Um, he took the Dark Knight Returns, where there's this fight with Superman, and he kind of copies a little bit of that, but then does his own thing. But then he kind of crams in the death of Superman too, but then he wraps it all in his own story that continues Man of Steel. Um, and also, there's, and um, I'm not sure if you read the comics. There's a comic called Superman Birthright, which heavily inspired uh, this movie as well, especially Lex's character. Oh, really? So this yeah. is so there is backstory to Lex having a father and bequeathing uh, in the company it's, and it's, all that. It's or? more about more about how, how um, eccentric he is and the, the long hair and his plan to frame Superman and get the world to investigate him. That was all in Superman Birthright. Was it done better in Superman Birthright? Uh, I haven't read it yet. Okay, fair enough. Good to know that there. So he read three different comic books and tried to smash them all together into one big movie to uh, varying su- success. But we'll we'll see. We'll, we'll get into that. What do you want to do di- first, Daniel? Well, I just have an overall comment, and um, it seems like Zack Snyder has a penchant for making a very large amount of material and then trying to mash it together. We've seen it with Watchmen, uh, even Man of Steel, and of course this movie. And I think he has varying power levels, uh, as we'll get into later in relative strength to the characters, uh, in his ability to do that. And I think that the theatrical cut actually, it tries to do too much without being able to fill in the the gaps a little bit. And then the extended seems to add a little bit of color to it, but I still think it kind of falls down. Like there's a couple of plot holes that I wanted to forgive, but I'll bring them up tonight. Um, but I will say that the movie was less bad than I was expecting it to be going into it because the reviews were, were just that terrible. Well, I will, starting off with the positive, I am a fan of Zack Snyder in his visual ability to construct a shot. I think he is a visual storyteller. He can really create an image and do some good action when it isn't just lights and smoke. He can do, he really likes that darker look. And I'm kind of on board with that. I don't know if it necessarily fits in my version of Batman and Superman, but I can respect his vision in that sense. But I think his storytelling and some of the choices that he did wouldn't weren't choices that I would have made. Let's put it that way. Right. And Shaheen and I were talking in the pre-show, which is available for our Patreon supporters at lastnarrows.com slash Patreon, uh, a little bit about the darkness of this movie as compared to later movies in the Justice League series. And... I think some of that ties back to um, this is a Batman who's been fighting crime for 20 years and he's been sort of disenchanted with former good guys turning bad like the Harvey Dent situation. And he's he's got a darker streak in him, right? He's like fed up with kind of maintaining the status quo and he wants to actually make a, a significant difference. And And later on, he refers to his legacy being neutralizing this threat that is Superman, this uh, all-powerful being. That even if he's, and this is a total Bush Doctrine thing, but even if he is a 1% threat, you have to treat him as if he's a 100% threat. And uh, that that just sets the table for this being a very dark version of the story. Yeah, and it's kind of a confused message where he's he says, you know, since he's so powerful that that this philosophy takes place. Like if it's, if it's a, he's so powerful so that if it's even a 1% chance he's going to kill us all, we have to treat it as if it's a 100% chance he can kill us all, which... There's a 1% chance that the Soviet Union could nuke us all with nukes. So then we have to nuke the Soviet Union. That, 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 that philosophy just does not work in real life. And I don't think it works here in this movie either. 
All right. So Shaheen, any comments for that? And then, then we'll get into some linear uh, note taking. That's kind of how we generally do this. All right. So we're talking about uh, the dark Batman. Uh, keep in mind, this is, yeah, you're, you said he was a, he was fighting crime for 20 years, but let's not forget that. This is a different Batman. As you can you see, he has PTSD throughout the film. He still remembers and has nightmares about his parents dying. And we know Robin's dead because he sees the suit with the Joker's riding on it. So the Jason Todd story's there. And then Wayne Tower collapses with that Jack guy who was, we assume, is his friend, a friend of his father's something. And his entire building full of people just all dying. That That's kind of just what pushes him over the edge, especially after 20 years of just going at it, not seeing any any real change happen. and. Well, as you say, the the one percent chance. Uh, there was an, there was actually a philosophical study. Um, I think in two thousand twelve. I'm not too sure, but it was talking about how it dealt with what would we do, like the existential risk of, of if a Superman really did exist. Uh, like Batman isn't saying that the one percent chance means that he will turn bad. He's just saying that the chance is so high that the risk is so high that even if there was a one percent chance of it happening, the result would be so catastrophic that it will make sense for him to take him out. Like, I don't, obviously, he doesn't agree with that in the end. He was he was obviously thinking from a very angry mindset. He wanted to kill Superman for what Superman had done and how powerless he was against him, which is why he rationalized that, oh, even if there's a 1% chance, without actually thinking that Superman is a human and is a good person. And he was dehumanizing Superman into this alien demagogue killer, which is what the media was doing as some god figure, not as just an, another human person, metaphorically. Who just wants to do the right thing? Yeah, um, just another word about Batman. In I'm fine with different takes on Batman in general, of course. Different creators are going to have different takes. But throughout the history of Batman, he is a guy that is incredibly good. He's the world's greatest detective. And he is a guy that can know everything there is to know about somebody. He's got, I mean, there's there are storylines about Batman where he is the most dangerous member of the Justice League. Because he has scenarios yep. and plans about how to kill every other member of the Justice League if they ever went bad. Called he knows everything. Bottom, yeah, there you go. So I kind of wish that that had been more the case where Batman, because this is a movie where the conflict could really be solved by like a post-it note or like a conversation between Bruce and Clark, where Bruce gets to know who he is, figures out that he's a good guy. He made some mistakes in Man of Steel but he's learning from those mistakes and blah, blah, blah. You could do that. And that would go in line with Bruce's detective abilities where he is just, he does some detecting in this movie, which I was happy about, but I wanted him to really explore that and work from a scene of, well, I don't know exactly what my conflict in my version of this movie would be, but I kind of wanted Batman to be a better detective. Let's put it that way. I think my, my, my defense to that would be, it just shows how smart Lex Luthor really is. To be able to outsmart the Batman, because like in the comics, Lex is the especially Birthright. He's the smartest person in the world. He's so yeah. It would have been like in the comics, sure, Batman would be able to outsmart him. But I think this version of Batman, if he actually sat down and thought about Superman, like clearly, he would have been able to solve the case. Thing is, he didn't want to. Like deep down, this is a very emotional Batman. He wanted to hate Superman, so that's why he didn't look deeper into it. He kind of just. Well, what do they call it? It's like confirmation bias. He just sees this happening. He gets the letters from Luthor thinking it's from that Wallace guy. And he just kind of goes with it. Just kind of gets angry. Because deep down, he just wants to kill Superman. Like, that's, that's how I rationalize it. Wait, wait, okay. wait. Well, hold up, hold up, hold up. The, the uh, letter or the checks being returned, 
Yeah, that, no, that, were, that's Wallace? that wasn't Wallace writing. Yeah, they were from Lex. Really? No, that's, okay. that's, that's why Luther that says a few. Um, that's why when when he's with Superman on top, and he's tell, telling Superman to go fight the bat, bring me the head of the bat. He says it didn't take much to push him over the edge. A few notes. You let your family die. So okay, it was, it was all not part of Lex's in, plan. In watching this, that that was not from yeah. um, McNary's character. The one 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 criticism I will like accept. Yeah, it's that you do have to do a lot of thinking afterwards to piece the puzzle together. Like I had to watch a few videos on it as well and kind of just piece together. Like and re doing uh, during rewatches, I kind of like knowing what the plan is. Just when you see it happening. And then kind of call what's about to happen. Like you just see Lex's plan happening when you know the whole thing. Like I got goosebumps every time I saw another step of his plans plan uh, going into motion. So is this is this a um, is this a Nolan esque thing? I mean, he was related to he was a producer on this film. But are you saying that there's little clues and hints along the way that flesh out as you begin to understand it or watch it a few more times that <laughs> maybe wouldn't be apparent on the first view? Because that, uh, I think since since it's such a big movie that uh, unless you already know the plot, like by one time watching it, you're gonna miss a lot of stuff. I, mean, I, I missed a lot of stuff first time I saw it too, and I thought, okay, it's a decent like popcorn flick, random action movie. Yeah, it's it's not that bad, but it's not too good either. But when I actually started like watching videos about the script and the backstory and how like the Batman killing thing, that's actually from the comics as well, and we'll, we'll talk about that. And when I actually like fully understood lex's plan and everything that's when i thought okay that's why i thought it was a masterpiece because the the writer is david escoya and chris terrier and david goya wrote the the dark knight trilogy as well so it's the same writer pretty much except this was his most complex movie he always has like complexities in, in, in his films that you have to actually think about but this was his most complex movie that i've ever seen did he also write inception um i'm not sure maybe because he, he works with um chris nolan a lot Okay. All right. Well, I feel like maybe I'm out of my element here because I watched the extended version and then half the theatrical. And I felt like that they were bits and pieces of movie here that didn't always mesh together, even in the extended version. But if you've got, I guess, some back knowledge on the various sources and you know that there's something else worth looking for, then maybe it maybe it has a bit more of an appeal to it. Now, that's probably the biggest criticism that you do need to do a lot of like a bit of research and piecing the puzzle in your own head to fully appreciate the film. Because yeah, the, the plot is is probably one of the most complex plots. You wouldn't get it just by sitting and watching it. There's, it's just way too much. So what? I guess I'll ask: Why would somebody make a movie that's that involved to understand when your traditional audience is not going to go anywhere near that? And hence, you know, the poor reviews and the just general panning of the movie. I mean, if you've got to throw a bunch of like effort and it's already a three hour movie um, yeah. to be able to understand, I don't know. It's like it's it's competing for very minute attention spans these days. It seems like it's a lot of uh, it's yeah. a lot to ask of an audience. Yeah. So can we talk about what Lex's plan is then? Because it doesn't seem oh. to be that genius to me on first, you know, a couple of just a few viewings. All right. So Lex, oh, we can understand that Lex, like remember the scene where he's at the what was it the friends of metropolis library the the book thing where batman and superman first meet and he's talking to yeah, lex was okay yeah, yeah. he gives mm-hmm. a speech about how uh he gets angry in it as well he says uh the worst thing in the world is to have knowledge without power because it's paradoxical and he gets, gets angry at that lex knows that he's the smartest person on on earth pretty much 
and he is just crazy jealous of Superman, just absolutely hates him just for existing because he's taking away from him, or he feels that at least. Like That's the same in Birthright as well. Pretty much feels that he needs to put Superman down, either by killing him or by ruining his reputation, his public uh, image, so he could be on top. He could do better than God, pretty much. Yeah, so he, he hates Superman, wants to humiliate him or kill him, so he plans a lot of different outcomes and, and ways to kill him. First, there's the discovery of the kryptonite, which was from the Kryptonian ship. And then they found out that it ruins the cells of Zod's body. It, it deteriorates Kryptonian cells. So Lex sends um, someone to go to the Indian Ocean. Because remember, do you remember the end of Man of Steel? How there was the, the change engine that was destroying the Earth? Right, one well, in India. And it, what, yeah, one in the Indian Ocean, the other one in Metropolis. Right. Superman goes to the Indian Ocean and smashes... The one in the Indian Ocean, Superman broke with his face. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. So, and then they, the other one, the one that was in Metropolis, got sent into the Phantom Zone. So, since they find that bit of kryptonite from the ship, from the crashed Kryptonian ship, Lex sends us a crew to go to the Indian Ocean and try to find, try to mine for kryptonite somewhere. And at the beginning of the film, they find it. And that, that white guy that was there, who like smashed the thing and found the kryptonite, he was working for Lex. Because you see him give the kryptonite to uh lex's mercenaries during the the beginning of the car chase scene so he was to find kryptonite and then luther tried to find someone to to kill superman he looked to metahumans like that's why he had the files on wonder woman flash cyborg and aquaman because they were part they were he was looking around for whoever he might whoever he might find to help kill uh superman but he settled on batman because you mind lex already knows the backstory on all of them he's smart enough to figure that out and their notices okay yeah, <laughs> that seemed ridiculous. <laughs> they had logos already. Uh, it, that's, okay, that, that's just the comic book thing. All right, <laughs> but Fair um, enough. yeah, he wants one of them to kill Superman. If Superman, like, if he wants Batman to fight Superman, if Batman kills Superman, then Lex wins. Superman's dead. If Superman kills Batman, then Superman is disgraced for being a murderer. So Lex still wins. So he puts himself in a win-win situation. Um, and yeah, that, that's why there was no files on Batman as well, because Lex wanted Batman to steal the files. To steal the data because he knew that Batman was going to steal it. That's why he invited Batman to the book scala and also requested for Clark Kent to be there so that Clark could hear Batman talking to Alfred and he could find or hear Batman's suspicious activity and find out that Ben Affleck is Lex Luthor. Uh, what am I saying? That Bruce Wayne is Batman. Wait, so you're saying that Lex is the man behind the curtain and he already knows who oh, yeah. everyone is? Yeah, that's why everything. Remember this, the scene where he's, where he's threatening Martha? He says God has different names, Cal L or Clark Joseph Kent. So he knew from the get-go who Superman was. And at the final scene in the in the jail cell, Lex says something like, Civilization on the Wayne Manor's out the window. So Wayne Manor, pretty much. So he knows who Batman is as well. Okay. So she settles on Batman and he wants to make Superman look even worse than before. So he already knows that half the world hates him because of what happened in Metropolis and simply because he's so much more powerful and a threat and potentially a threat. So he does the Middle Eastern situation. He, he, he sees that Lois Lane is going somewhere in the Middle East, or maybe he orchest orchestrates that, and then has the CIA guy, that Jimmy Olsen guy with a camera. He has him be there. Oh, he was part of the CIA mission. Since Lex already knows about it, he tells his mercenary, hey, that guy's CIA and the thing's in his camera. So then that's why the mercenary knew to look at the camera and find out that he's that guy's CIA and get Lois Lane stuck in that situation. But then Superman goes to save her, and then they, they kill all the terrorists there and burn their bodies to make it look like Superman did it with his deep vision. So then Superman gets blamed. Then he forces that woman to come and falsely accuse Superman of killing all of them. 
So now the public image of Superman is really bad and everyone wants him to come and stand up against or face justice or whatever to testify. That was the, the babies in the incubator testimony, like the false yeah, yeah. kind of thing. But what I didn't understand with the Middle East situation, or it was actually in Africa, right? At least that was the, the little titles. Yeah. Um, they shot these people with special bullets that only could be made by the private company that Lex Luthor owned. But yeah, Lex Corp. Yeah, but why not just use regular ass bullets? And wouldn't bullets be a telltale uh, sign? It wasn't Superman's heat vision. And why they, would the committee that is investigating this blame Superman for killing these people when he obviously didn't because he didn't fire bullets? And they were going to drone strike the fucking place. So yeah. if anything, there was less damage done than what would have happened had the U.S. government's plan been enacted. Yeah. Well, U.S. government is just obviously crap. You know, everything that could be a good excuse, what? but they, they 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 recovered the bullets, and that's why they use the flamethrower to burn everyone. And in the director's the only cut. bullet that I don't remember yeah. the flamethrowers in the theatrical cut. Oh, it's in the director's cut. Yeah, right. It's not in the it's not it's not in the theatrical. Right. There's a scene where um, Anatoly Kinyazev, the guy with the the long brown hair, he just flamethrows all the dead bodies, and they they recover the bullets. And the only reason that Lois Lane found that bullet was because it was shot up in her in her um, journal, not inside a body. So she, she took that home and found it when she was trying to open her book. So wait, were those bullets like special because they could be easily found and recovered to cover their tracks? Was that? Uh, uh, I'm not sure. It's just special LexCorp bullets. Maybe they're just better quality. Maybe they can be easily recovered. Probably both, given that it is Lex. Uh, no, nothing official about that. But Yeah, because I mean, there better be a special yeah. reason because that's the only thing that was the giveaway to Lois that, Lex was even involved, and if they just used regular ass, I think, it could have been anybody. Uh, I I think Lex is just he didn't expect Lois to find that out because he didn't expect them to shoot to the ground, so he didn't have a contingency for that. Uh, so he just gave them the best quality bullets in the wild that don't even exist anywhere else, just so they could do their job properly. But then one got hit astray, and Lois found minute. it. Wait a minute, so it was by accident that Lois got the bullet, and that yeah. she goes on an investigation. Yeah. But then she Lex confronts. How does how does Lois get onto that rooftop on the building from the uh, helicopter? They they, they they kidnap her. Lex only does that to get Superman to show up. Superman was depressed and he had left for a bit just to think about his own life and like, does he help the world? Does the world need him? Is he does he do more harm than good? Because that's what another thing. Superman is very depressed in this movie. He's dealing with the repercussions of Man of Steel. We'll we, we'll get into that in a bit later. Hold up. All right. Um, and I'll, I'll respond to Robert real quickly. In the theatrical cut, it's not clear how Lois ends up in the helicopter, but in the extended, she's walking down into the um, subway station and she notices the guy polishing the floor and it's that uh, Russian guy with long brown hair. Yeah, the neck tattoo. And she's like, oh, I think I recognize you. And then they show her getting kidnapped in the extended. But in the theatrical, it just cuts okay. from that to she's in the helicopter and it's like, wait, what the fuck? Okay, yeah. I'm remembering that scene, yeah. Okay. So we have the Middle Eastern scene. And then Lex tries to get a an import license for the kryptonite. Now keep in mind, he doesn't need that. The only reason he's getting the import license is, one, to make it publicly known that there's going to be a weapon against Superman to further make Superman look weak and bad. And also so he could be, you know, hands in hands with the politicians and get access to the Kryptonian ship so he can mine it for data and just understand, just get more knowledge and understand Kryptonian whatever so you can cut off zod's um fingerprints and use that to to gain knowledge that was the only reason for the import license because as we see um that senator who, who was what was her name june 
Finch. Finch. Yeah, character. Yeah, June. Something. Hunter. Yeah. She she banned. She blocked his import license, but he got it shipped in illegally anyway through his mercenaries. Right on the. So he the didn't care about that. Batman was looking for. That was only. Yeah. He only wanted to get access to the Kryptonian ship. Um. Yeah. And Zod's body. So then we know that the the Kryptonite is on board the white Portuguese ship, and Batman knows this because well he just knows what's going on to some extent I guess. So. Batman goes around looking for the white Portuguese, lying to Alfred that it's about um, a dirty some bomb. Dirty bomb. Yeah, and it's, and it's a person. Well, yeah, Batman knows like it could be anything. Batman doesn't know that it's a ship just yet. He just knows that the white Portuguese is carrying the kryptonite, the, the Kryptonian rock. So he's looking for that, trying to find it. So he does interrogations. He finds he copies. Um, he finds the KGB guy and just copies his phone, and then sees that it's he's, he's pretty much working for Lex Luthor. Then he says, okay, I'm going to break into Luther's house. But then he finds out he has an invitation to Luther because Luther invited him because Luther wants him to get the kryptonite. That's why Luther actually tells him we could work on some R&D together. Luther doesn't know how everything will go down. So he plans for numerous different circumstances, hoping that one of them will happen. In this case, Batman just ended up going to try to steal the kryptonite. But then Sumac confronted him. So he just took it later. Um, yeah, yeah Lex didn't seem too bothered the, about Batman stealing the kryptonite. Yeah, like he, he was, was smiling. That he was part of his plan. Right. So just one thing, though, the, the first time Superman goes to Gotham and finds out about Batman, that wasn't part of Lex's plan. He just went there to cover, the, to cover sports, but then he thought he might as well check up on that woman who was accusing him. So he did, and then the neighbors brought up how oh, he's angry and he's hunting like, about Batman. Now, I think that's only in the extended cut, as is the gay kissing scene on the boat as he's on his way over there. That's not in the theatrical cut. So they, this goes back to my overall thoughts on the theatrical cut seems to be missing some linking pieces. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's how he finds out about uh, Batman. And Lex didn't plan for that. Lex planned for Superman to find out about Batman at the event because when he, 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 he uses his super hearing to hear to see Bruce Wayne looking around because he knew Batman was going to date a mine. So on Batman the, goes to the, on, on the uh, let them eat cake beat, right? So what, yeah, yeah, what, exactly, yeah. <laughs> So that and that's why Perry says someone in the committee must have a thing for for nerds because he wanted you he spe- he uh, wanted you to go and cover it. Because that was Lex wanting Clark Kent to go there so he could meet Bruce Wayne and see Bruce Wayne's suspicious activity. Okay, and yeah. Then, and he said, and, and then after prone, yeah. it's got a thing for nerds. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then he afterwards, Lex sends Clark the picture of that that dead guy with a bat brand. So he can tell him, look, there's this guy, this weird guy in Gotham, this brutal guy who's murdering people. And hey, you might have an idea who it is, don't you? Because you randomly met him on at one at the party. He uh, Clark automatically will sus- uh, suspect Bruce Wayne, or so at least just get angry about. Was that was yeah. what the whole prison murder scene was about? Trying to get Superman to not like Batman? Yeah, it was just to make it was meant to make, make them angry at each other, pretty much. So that Superman would provoke Batman into a fight, and then Batman would kill Superman. That was Lex's like main plan. Um, I'm not sure if that scene was in the theatrical cut. No, it where wasn't. Where the, the big guy it comes and kills. No. no. Yeah. So in, in the extended cut, it's specified that Lex is the one orchestrating all the prison murders with people with the Bat brand. Right. And I don't know. We'll, I'll go through Lex's plan, then I'll talk about why Batman kills in let, this. Let, let's um, back up for a second. If if Lex is pulling the strings on the prison murderers saying kill anyone with the bat brand. Why is Batman branding them? Yeah, that, that's what I wanted to explain. So Batman just brands them as a way of torture. But then in his mind, oh, if someone kills them as a result, then so be it. I'm not the one directly killing them. So it's not my problem. See, in 
we did the movie of Dark Knight Returns, the animated movie, in the comic book. When he snaps Joker's neck, it's a bit of a different. Um, this doesn't make it too, it doesn't make it too obvious, but so the theory goes that in when he breaks the Joker's neck, he actually does kill Joker, but then he hallucinates that Joker snaps his own neck. Because in comics, I'm not sure if you read them, but the, every character has internal dialogue. Like Superman's is blue, Joker's is green, Batman's is gray, and speech bubbles are in white. But after Batman breaks Joker's neck, Joker's remaining speech bubbles before he breaks their neck are all gray, which indicate that it's in Batman's mind. So Batman did kill Joker, but he rationalized to himself that, no, I'm not, I didn't kill Joker, he killed himself. So I reckon in this version, it kind of follows from Batman killing people. And the director said this as well. Batman doesn't directly kill. He, like if, if a minigun's shooting at him, he blows up the car. If the bad guy was there, that's the bad guy's problem. I didn't kill him. It was a bad guy. Or if the guy with a flamethrower, he shoots the tank, the guy lights himself on fire and blows up. Uh, yeah, obviously he is still killing them, but and it's just Batman himself is in denial about how he's killing And in and the in the director's cut of Justice League, he was meant to reflect on this and actually say, I killed a lot of people. Nothing justified me killing all those people. So everyone complaining that Batman kills, he would have actually this was just a phase, just and it, it was only recent as well. That's why the guy says there's a new kind of mean in him. He only started killing recently, and by the end of this movie, is inspired by Superman not to kill. And also, before I forget, remember the opening lines of the movie? Yeah, about the angels. They 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 oh, really handed the the religion in this one. Yeah, remember the, the in the opening scene, he says something like, "There was a time before, a time above. There were perfect things, diamond absolutes. Things fall, and what falls is broken or has fallen." In the dream, they took me to the light. It's a beautiful lie. I think that's Batman talking about his own morals. The diamond absolutes, like the perfect morals of no killing. But then he just goes for 20 years at it. All his friends end up dying. Robin's dead. His building collapses. Harvey Dent turns evil. Now there's Superman here as well. So Batman is just, yeah, he says, my morals in the dream, in my dreams, the my morals took me to the light, but that was just a beautiful lie. So fuck my morals. That's kind of what... I think the, the, the director was going for it. But then at the end of the movie, he, he says the men are still good. Uh, he says that line. So he comes back to his senses. And also, at the beginning of the movie, do you see how when the guy killed his parents, you see the bullet fall and like the, the shell casing hit the ground? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that symbolizes the, the birth of Batman. And then at Superman's funeral, which is the end of the movie, the, one of the tanks shoots it, and you see the shell of the tank, of the tank bullet hit the ground. Right. That's that's the rebirth of Batman after being inspired by Superman after losing his way. And in Man of Steel, like Jarrell actually tells Superman that they will stumble, they will fall, but they can follow in your ideal. So this this was like Batman is humanity, stumbling and falling, but then finding his way inspired by Superman. Okay, so are you the, do you think that this really is the case? Because like, I know that there was a lot of fan backlash after Batman killing people. Yeah. Do you think that this this is just a a period in Batman's life where this is true? Or did you think that they were trying to set up a, a world in which, you know, a series of movies where Batman does kill and then they saw the backlash and they're like, oh, no, let's end the next movie. We won't have him kill anybody. You really think that this is a, an intentional thing that they were planning out? I do. It, especially because, remember with Lex Luthor? The last part where Batman's going to go there, he's about to brand Lex, but then he doesn't. He He punches the wall instead. Which means he got his some of his morals back. He's less brutal, and he's kind of back to being that Batman. Okay. And I think, and the the, the and keep in mind the the studio did change it. Uh, keep in mind the Zack Snyder, like you know him, he's not the kind of person who cares too much about backlash. If he wants a story to tell, he'll tell that story. And the studio, 
yeah, the 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 studio when they changed the movie for Justice League, they actually didn't have Batman talk about how he killed people and how he should stop. Whereas it's only in Snyder's original script where Batman says uh, how I kill people and I should stop. So he was always meant to, and it was all meant to end with Batman's sacrifice at the end of the fifth movie as well. Spoiler alert, but it doesn't look like it's going to be happening. So what is the current state of the Zack Snyder averse? Uh, is he still well, on that, board or no? No, Snyder's not on board anymore. I really hope he can come back, but doesn't seem to be that way. They, they ruined the Justice League film and they kind of changed things around. Although the Snyder Cut of the film does exist, you might have heard of the release the Snyder Cut movement. Uh, I think so. Yeah, we're pretty much just trying to rally up Warner Brothers to, to release Snyder's vision. Because he it's it's the Justice League movie by Zack is three and a half hours long. A lot of a lot more content, a lot more character development, a complex story again. And it was all meant to lead to that nightmare scene that Batman had. That was actually a premonition from the future. Right, which Flash is traveling back in time to warn yeah. him and he says, I'm too early. Crap, I'm too early. Yeah, yeah. because okay. you know why? Snyder said, Snyder said that the time travel in this universe happens that whenever you go back, there's usually a window of where you can go back to. And when Flash was trying to time travel, there were two windows. Either he could go to like A or B. He went to A and A took him to that time. He had to go to B because what would have happened was, I think at the end of Justice League 2, uh, Darkseid would have come and killed Lois Lane which would have destroyed like Superman like, emotionally and let, and he would have used something called an anti-life equation from the comics to control Superman. And that's why Superman becomes evil in the nightmare and earth is taken over by apocalypse. Wait, wait so hold on. So, so flash is, he encounters Bruce in his dream in a, but then Bruce's dream is B and that's oh. where Superman has become this charismatic totalitarian dictator, Nazi leader. He's an Adolf Hitler figure. And he's got his goon squad in this Mad Max Fury Road, Omega, you know, like dystopian nightmare situation where Batman is still trying to recover some Kryptonia, crypt, kryptonite to actually fight back against this totalitarian dictator. Uh, not necessarily. That that nightmare, that, crypt, that um, Mad Max future, that is the future. Like, it's just the set future. And from the future, when Flash wanted to come back, he has two windows to go back into. Because the Earth has to be in a special place for them to time travel. That's what the director said. And so if he wants to go back, like he wants to go back to the time where Lois was about to get killed. But there was two windows. If he went to A or B, one of them is when Lois is about to be killed. The other one isn't. So he went back and he actually went to Batman during Batman v Superman. And that's why he's like, I'm too soon. So he can prevent... You, you know about Darkseid? Have you... He's like the Thanos of the DC universe. Yeah, with his Omega Beams. Yep. Yeah, and... He corrupts Superman and then uses Superman as a pawn to take over Earth. Okay, so in the five-movie series, Darkseid was going to be the main villain. Oh, yeah. Darkseid was actually meant to be in Justice League. The director actually, like, and he was fully rendered as well. There's a scene that was released on his um, thing, his Twitter or something. Is that what Luthor was uh, referring to in, when he was muttering in the prison in the very final, like, pan out? Uh, or No, like... he, he was talking about Steppenwolf, who is, it's pretty complex. He's related to Darkseid. But he wants to take over for himself. Like they're competing. But yeah, same, 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 same place, same people, same species. They're related, Steppenwolf and Darkseid. Uh, you really got to be like fully versed in this to make sense of all of this. Yeah. And it really feels like this yeah. movie, even with the extended version, is still missing some of these components. Like the extended cut yeah. fills in a little bit of it. So you actually, it makes sense that Lois is now in the helicopter and a couple of other things sort of make more sense. But it's still not enough to, unless you're, Someone who's read Already like three or four different, um, 
interrelated stories about these characters that yeah. you wouldn't get these references connecting them. And that's something that kind of... Zack Snyder did want to do. Zack Snyder wanted to make a a movie for the fans, for the hardcore fans. Like he said that he doesn't really care much about the mainstream audience and just wants something that something that the mainstream audience can go and like sit down and kind of enjoy watching, but something that the hardcore fans would really, really enjoy. So this is an artistic vision then. That's yeah. What and Batman but, v Superman was just meant to set up the the three Justice League movies, right? But but with the events in Zack Snyder's life, that doesn't appear to be happening. So really, yeah, we're going to get this. I, I hope that. Yeah, I really hope that at some point in the future that they can make some animated, like like an animated version of his vision. Like they at least complete, like make a Justice League two and three, but just just make it animated or low budget, just to somehow get that vision out or release it as a comic book. Just just something. DC makes animated movies all the time. Maybe they could do that. Yeah. Yeah, they did a Ninja Turtles versus uh, Batman. That, that was pretty good. I, I did see that. Ninja Samurai thing. Yeah. All right. Well, I have a feeling that we're not going to really wrap up this particular movie in one episode. We still have, you know, another 15 minutes or so. Um, but we've hardly talked about this this particular movie. Um, I'll, I'll try to move a bit further through, through the plot. So Lex pretty much wants Batman to get the kryptonite somehow, either from the ship itself. Or by working with Lex's R&D, which is why he tells him, I'm working up to all types of no good in R&D. Or by Batman just stealing it anyway, which Batman does. So he's happy that Batman took the kryptonite. Then Batman's doing his workouts and getting ready to fight Superman. He makes a weapon. Um, and then Lex kidnaps Lois. Oh, no, Lex bombs the, the Capitol building. He sends the checks back to Bruce. He's been sending the checks back from Wally ever since, like, the, the incident happened. Oh, yeah, so that... And sending him back with Bruce Wayne's note so that Bruce Wayne would get them all on that day. And then Wallace goes there. He puts, Luther puts a bomb in his uh, thing and then lines it with lead so that Superman can't see the bomb. And then it blows up, kills everyone at the US Capitol building. And now, then, is, this just makes Batman. Is that a metaphor for Batman's inability to see past his own anger at Superman? Uh, I think so. I'm, I'm not sure. I think it's just Batman, when it explodes, Batman is just, he, he pretty much thinks. Even if Superman isn't a bad, like an evil dictator, he he brings death everywhere he goes. He brought the other Metropolis people, like the son of a bitch, brought the war to us. He, he brought um, Zod, and now he's causing all this bombing and terrorism to happen. So he he does more harm than good. So he just needs to be stopped. Obviously, he's he's just rationalizing his anger uh, at Superman for destroying his building, or even just for existing. Okay. Now, why in the movie did the Holly Hunter senator? Why did she? react so oddly to the peach tea before the explosion it seemed think, really odd yeah i agree with that but i think it's just because that's what lex said to her before like like she she said that to lex like granny's peach tea like you know, right, but she, didn't, she couldn't read granny's peach tea until she turned the label which she didn't do yeah. for a few beats and she was still like stuttering or losing track of what she was saying prior to that mm. I, think, she, I think it's because she she was nervous because of like i can just say because she knew Lex's plan at that point, because that the African woman came and told her this in the I don't think it's in the theatrical cut, but no, in the extended cut, she comes and says, "I didn't tell you the truth." So, so she knows that Lex is planning something, and then she looks at that and sees it's Granny's peach tea, and like, what does she say? She like, "Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's Granny's peach tea, or take a jar yeah. of piss and call it Granny's peach tea." Yeah, something like that. Pretty much, she she was like a Judge Judy character, and that was a line for uh, "Don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining." So. Pretty much Lex's way of saying, this isn't what it seems to be. This is something else. 
And that's why the explosion then happened. And it was so, like, first time I saw it, like, when you're just about to get the plot, it kind of like follow, okay, so this is happening. It just blows the whole place up. It kind of left thinking, what the hell? Yeah, I didn't understand why Lex killed Mercy in that shot, in that scene. Uh, it didn't make any sense to me. There's, I think there's a different Mercy as well. At the end of Justice League, we were meant to see a more traditionally comic booky Mercy. I think, don't quote me on this, but I think Mercy's a robot in some in some versions of the, of the comics. So maybe this was like an Android Mercy. Or Mercy 1.0. Okay. That's not communicated to the audience, but all right. Well, no, no, not at all. I'm not even sure of it, but it's just Lex's psychopathy, I guess. He just doesn't care who he kills. Yeah, it definitely seems like he doesn't give a shit. He's got this end goal, and he's going to achieve it, even though it's pretty damn convoluted, but okay, keep going. All right. So then that pretty much makes Batman angry, and Superman leaves. And Batman goes to... Well, he starts the fight. He turns on the bat signal and just waits there. Now, he Lex kidnaps uh, Lois, and he throws her off the building, and she Superman saves her and goes up to confront Luthor. And then he reveals that he kidnapped Superman's mother, and he knows who Superman is, and he kidnapped him, his mother. He told him to go fight Batman, or else I'll kill Martha. If you fly away, I'll kill her. If you wait too long, I'll kill her. Just kill Batman, and then, then you'll be able to uh, save your mother. And uh, that this makes Superman have to decide between, what, his mother, one of the only people linking him to Earth, or between some vigilante that he didn't even like that much anyway. And then Superman says, nobody stays good in this world, and goes to try to, he still tries to reason with Batman, but Batman is so angry and fixated on killing, on killing Superman that he just doesn't hear anything, doesn't care what Superman has to say. They fight, Superman gets angry and tries to take down Batman, and then Batman kryptonites him, and he's about to kill him. And keep in mind, Batman doesn't think of Superman as a human. He literally says, you were never even a man. And what was the, what was the other one? I bet your parents taught you that you, you mean something. Like pretty much saying that I don't give a shit about your parents. And you're not, you're not a human in my eyes. And that's why when Superman says, Superman says Martha instead of my mom, because he already kind of knows Batman doesn't care about his parents or about Superman's parents. So if he just says Martha, it kind of disassociates him from him, which then gives Batman PTSD. And Batman wants to know why he said Martha. And finding out that he has a mother as well, that, that he is pretty much suffering the same way he is. They kind of were the same. It kind of makes Batman see him as, see Superman as human for the first time. Well, so well then, hold on, hold on. I don't think that Superman had a plan in saying this. He was saying... No, he, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't. He just didn't, he couldn't say my mom. Right, but... Because but if he, he said, oh, save my mom. Hmm? Okay, well, I mean, it just so happens that both of their mothers are named Martha, right? Yeah. yeah. Which I, I, I've so never was aware of that coincidence until this movie until that moment yeah but they made it almost seem as if it was accidental because bruce is like why are oh, you it, saying it, martha? why are you saying martha because that's his mom's name too yeah it, it was accidental it's just that let superman can't just say to batman oh you have to save my mom my mom's in danger because batman's gonna be like i don't give a shit about your mom but if he just says martha and like makes her a person like oh you're letting him kill this person okay so then, you're saying the lamb is uh silence of the lambs in him right yeah when, yeah he's just saying listen if you do this so, like it could have been like if her name was stacy it would have been like oh you have to save stacy and then batman would have been like oh shit someone like if batman he, he's probably thinking if batman's a hero at all he'll at least try to go save it's, it's just i think i don't even know if there's any logic behind it superman's just it's just a desperate a desperate plea he's about to die he's been beaten kryptonited thrown down spun around smashed into pillars he's just he, he can't just say, save my mom, because Batman's not going to give a shit about his mom. So next thing that comes to his mind is just to say Martha with that little breath he has left, because Batman's foot's on his throat. 
And it just so happens that that quirk gives Batman extreme PTSD. The Batman wants to know, why did you say Martha? Then when he finds out it's his mother, he realizes, what the fuck have I done? He's a guy like me who has a mother the same way I did. He has parents the way I did. He's a human the way I am. Emotions that he's been blocking for so long, they just come rushing in. That's why he gets angry with himself and throws the spear. He's like disgusted with what he's, what he's been doing. And something else, like this would have been Batman's first premeditated murder because every other person he killed was to this point was just indirectly like shooting the, the minigun or shooting the gas tank. This would have been the first time he directly planned and stabbed someone to death, which again, with realizing what he's about to do made him just angry with himself. And did you notice how when he throws Superman down and then grapples up and goes down to, to the bottom floor? Yeah. yeah. That was him falling to the lowest point, like sinking to the lowest point that he's ever been. And then the next fight scene, which was the warehouse, was him coming out of the ground and into the, into the roof. So that was him rising, beginning his uh, upward character arc. Maybe I'm just looking too deep into it. but Yeah, maybe. But you're seeing things. That's fine. Well, it seems like there is interpretation. There's plenty of deep shit in here to look at, I think, or yeah. look for. I mean, based on what you're talking about, I mean, it seems like this has a, uh, this could have been a five-hour movie all by itself. And I, I think the original run was four hours. Okay, yeah, it probably needed four hours to fill in even the additional uh, connecting yeah. bits, you know? like This should have been two separate movies. It, it was meant to be. It was changed to one in pre-production. It was actually planned to be a two-parter. It should have been one movie where there's Batman fights Superman and the next movie where they do the death of Superman with, with Doomsday and all yeah. that. I think, I think it was the studio that kind of forced Snyder to do make it one big movie, whereas he actually planned to do two separate ones. Well, right. that would be nice to see. I'd, I'd like to read the comic book series of all his five movies or something because it just felt a lot, a lot rushed. It felt like there could have been so much more done with it. Like they do the death of Superman and there's supposed to be this emotional moment where Superman dies. And I guess the audience kind of knows that Superman's a kind of a good dude because of all the decades that we've had with him. But the people of this world, all they know of Superman is that he's like the guy that committed like a hundred elevens on Metropolis. And he also happens to also sometimes save like cats out of trees and stuff, but he doesn't seem super happy about it. But the Mexicans so there's this. Him. What's that? The Mexicans love him. Well, a few of them, but he, he's not even happy about that. He's like kind of just morose, sad, sad sack Superman just, about that. This movie just Superman was depressed in this because one, he's not fully Superman yet. Like again, in the original Justice League clip, he was meant to embrace um, becoming Superman after he came back to life and really become the happier, hopeful Superman there. And this is more of a Batman movie anyway, so it makes sense for everyone to be darker in this as well. Um, right, but but yeah, Superman, he's just dealing with the death of Superman needs to come at a point where everybody loves Superman, so that when you he dies, it's this huge loss. In this movie, it's like, well, good, I'm glad he's dead. Fuck that guy. You know, I didn't even yeah. get the um, at the beginning that people really didn't like Superman, other than Bruce Wayne and that Wally character. Everyone else still seemed to like him. Uh, he had this. Uh, it's kind of and like, there is a percentage of people that dislike him but i think most people do are okay with superman but another group of people a significant amount of people do hate him enough for superman to be a bit depressed and think am i even doing any good in this world am i causing more harm like he's being pretty much ostracized and hated by a massive percentage of people so of course he's going to be depressed throughout the movie trying to think does the world need me am i doing more harm than good Maybe I shouldn't even be doing this. That's why I thought Superman was never real, just the dream of a farmer in Kansas. 
he thought like this is all just stupid like i'm never going to achieve anything too big like this that's kind of why he was a bit depressed throughout the movie which fits the tone of the dark batman movie and what was it the this version of Death of Superman was done so that it could set up Justice League. It was like everyone doubts Superman, but then Superman, even though he's doubted by so many people, sacrifices his own life and finally accepts Earth as his as his world, like before killing Doomsday. Because remember the beginning of the Doomsday fight when he's talking to Wonder Woman, he says, This thing's from a different world, from my world. So he still thinks of Krypton as his world. But then right before he stabs Doomsday, he tells Lois, This is my world, you're my world, which says at the end, he that's just when he finally accepts Earth as as his world. Yeah, and then goes to try to kill Doomsday. Why not let Batman or Wonder Woman wield the Kryptonite spear? Because it would not have affected them. And Wonder Woman seems to have all of the abilities of Superman, other than flying without an invisible jet. Uh, but uh, she is as nearly as indestructible as him and wields yeah, she the flesh. She's, she's, she's not as strong. She's not as strong. Like friggin' strong. Oh, in uh, watch, watch the Justice League versus. Superman clip, like just on YouTube, Superman just annihilates Wonder Woman with with, that, with one headbutt. All right, well, that's the very she, strong, but varying power levels that Robert likes to talk about in these Superman yeah. superhero movies. And I, I guess it's often. just the, 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 the there wasn't enough time, and Wonder Woman was already getting bashed up, and Batman pretty much can't do anything against Doomsday, so Superman just had to act in the moment. Well, I, I'm surprised he could even fly with that much kryptonite near him because earlier a very small amount made him. Um, not be able to exercise any of his powers. So it didn't make a lot of sense. Sheer determination and will. Sheer, sheer will to overcome. Okay. Well, yeah. he has done that before in comics as well. Okay. So but, it's a mind over, over matter thing. Like he just wills himself to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With through ex- extreme pain. And keep in mind the other scenes where I was kryptonite, he was all, he was all, as well. Batman was bashing the shit out of him as well, which kind of is what made him weaker. Whereas in this, he was just recharged by the sun. Like right before the Doomsday fight, so he got a bunch of his powers back, and he didn't breathe any of the kryptonite in. It was he was holding it from a distance, so it didn't weaken him, weaken him as much. Nice Whereas when make- Batman shot him with the kryptonite, it, it made him breathe it in and just went inside his body. Whereas this, it was further away, and he was powered by the sun as well, and sheer will, and his love for Lois. Yeah, that kind of fits together with the will. Okay, all right, all right. Well, I I, I feel like we're almost at a point where we can decide to press on or. Uh, break this into a two-parter do you feel like that we have more to discuss on this i i, I feel like we could and i'm sure we could. i don't know how, how productive it would be like i've got all kinds of notes that we haven't even talked about but they're all yeah, for like little me too i don't know yeah lexus and let me just finish lexus plan so he very much wanted to create doomsday in case batman doesn't kill superman because he thought he could control doomsday as well that's why he said the blood of my blood Okay. Yeah, that seemed. To, I, I I have a hard time believing that that's like a part of a plan. It seemed well, more like that was like a happy Doomsday. accident that he was able to create anything on that that ship. Uh, he he used. Remember when he used the Kryptonian? When he uses um Zod's fingerprints to get access to the Kryptonian database, he learned right. about all their knowledges and he learned about ways to like bring back stuff. And we know that Doomsday was made. This wasn't the real Doomsday. The real Doomsday Definitely was not. one that was made. That was made on Krypton. I actually like the CGI. I'm not gonna lie. Actually, I don't have that much of a problem. With me. He doesn't have a rock beard, but he he gets yeah. the spiky think, parts later. Later on, yeah, when he gets snooped. But I, I didn't find him that awful. A lot of people really don't like him, but I think they just they're just trying to find anything they can wrong with the movie. Yeah, it's well, like, in, uh, in honesty, though, the comic book version of Doomsday is a lot better. I mean, the fact that he's died a million times, and every time he dies, he gets immune to that last thing. That's 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 a pretty cool yeah. idea. 
it's like Snyder said that Doomsday would be explored more in later movies. And keep in mind when when Lex was trying to bring back um, Zod's body as Doomsday, the, the the ship talks back that the Council of Krypton has declared that none will ever again give life to a deformity, which symbolizes that there was another Doomsday before that they brought back somewhere in space. And then because mm-hmm. of how bad that was, they banned it. So th- we would have seen the original Doomsday like in a solo Superman movie or another Justice League movie at some stage. This was like an Earth, Luthor, Zod, Doomsday hybrid. Okay. Uh, unfortunate, but I guess that, that fits in more with Snyder's story, of course. And yeah, he, like Luthor thought he could, he could control it, but then he couldn't, and then Superman had to save him. Which is kind of funny because, remember he said that no one was there. God wasn't there to stop dad's fists from hitting me when I was a kid, like when he's talking to Lois. But then the first thing Superman does is protect him from a fist of doomsday. Right. That is what he does. Um, why? Uh, it's, I feel like I'm nitpicking. I, I feel like this conversation is more right. broad strokes. Then why would I nitpick? Why, do, why does Lois drop the spear, then dive back in to get it? Uh, in my opinion, she probably just thought I might as well hide this. Because what if Lex's guys are there trying to find it again? Like you might as well just hide it or get rid of it for the time being, so that if anyone's there, like a police or uh, Lex's goons or mercenaries, come to try to get it, they couldn't find it. And then later, after like the ship crisis has been fixed and Martha's saved and everything, then someone she trusts, like maybe I don't know Martha or her herself or Batman, can go retrieve it and then hide it from the bad guys. Like, she had no idea of knowing that. No way of knowing that Doomsday was going to come back. And then when she sees, she's actually pretty much guesses that, yeah, it's a Kryptonian thing. So run, get the Kryptonite in case we need it. Mm, okay. I mean, you got a theory craft that you get that all in there. None of that, I don't think, is really explained to the audience. But okay. Yeah, I think I need to watch that bit again because it seemed to me like she threw it away and then almost for no reason, a few minutes later, picks it up again with no new knowledge afforded to her, no communication with anyone. Yeah. Right. She, she, she sees the big explosions and stuff pretty much guesses it's a kryptonian thing kryptonian weapon because she was attacked by kryptonian uh thing on the ship in man of steel if you remember the first time she meets superman well and she saw batman about to stab superman with it so i guess that's why she's about to just get rid of it because what if like one of luthor's guys comes and tries to it's like on a personal level maybe she wasn't thinking logically she just scared has no idea just thought shit might as well just get rid of this get this away it seemed to be it seemed to be Snyder's way of, well, shit, I need Superman to get the spear. How can I get the spear? Okay, I can have Lois almost about to die again, and then Superman will hear it in the middle of this crazy, noisy battle. He'll just pick out Lois's choking breaths, and he'll go and rescue her. He's got this connection with him, though. Like when, he, when she was in trouble in Africa, Superman shows up. When, when, she was dropped, yeah, when she was dropped off the building by Luthor, Superman shows up. And then when she's in this uh, thing, and it was weird because Superman was in the middle of fighting Doomsday. And he's like, oh, hold on, everyone. Time out. Dude, Superman, best bodyguard ever. I would pay, you know, top dollar for that service, honestly. If he was a free market, you know, business bodyguard service, dude, seriously, you could do anything you wanted. You could do anything. You could piss off anybody. Some guys like with machine guns, you'd be like, yeah, fuck you, assholes. (laughs) As soon as they pull the trigger, Superman pops down, laser beams them all. Be like, yeah, eat a dick. I'd be a total asshole. It's just Superman. Man of my security service. It's just how much he anyway. cares about Lois that he he just notices anything about Lois. He might Superman, ha- like in Man of Steel, we see it as well. He has the steady stream of everything coming into him at once, and he always like he might have in- intuitively or subconsciously 
has the things from Lois always kind of on on a higher level than anyone else. So if she's in any kind of danger, he just notices it more than he would anything else. Like it just pops up. Right. So so people say, well, too bad she wasn't in one of those buildings in Metropolis. He maybe wouldn't have annihilated all those buildings during Man of Steel. To be fair, he, he was... He didn't annihilate any buildings himself. The one, the big one that fell was was Zod lasering every everything, and the other ones was Zod, Zod threw Superman through them. And there was one where they they smash into the side of the building and like the side, all the windows like break. Yeah, Superman himself doesn't really damage anything. It's mainly he, just Zod. And he didn't need to fight in Metropolis. Oh, thing is though, if he if he had just left or tried to take the the, the fight somewhere else, Zod would have just started killing people because Zod said, "I'm going to take all these humans from you one by one." So if he just left, he was able to just he didn't know if Zod was gonna start, you know, just murdering everyone. And the fight did go to space, but then it came right back down when Zod just smashes into him and takes him down. And that's also what he tried to do with Doomsday. He tried to take the fight to space, which didn't work. They both came collapsing down. Okay, I'm trying to piece this all together, and I feel like I feel like we're probably at a point where we do have more to talk about, and we may need to revisit this in a couple of weeks and have you back on. And maybe get into some of the more plot stuff related to this one. Mm. Maybe we can save our summaries and reviews for that. And uh, you have maybe... any you have any other points you want to um, touch up on? I mean, uh, that's pretty much my main points: the the plot, Batman killing, and just it's and bits of stuff here and there. I think at this point it would just open up another hour of conversation. Of <laughs> yeah. yeah, director's cut. We could do some release a director's cut. Some KTO maybe. Hash out a few we things. A KTO, which is our Kathleen Turner Overdrive, available for our Patreon supporters at lastnighters.com slash Patreon. But uh, in the meantime, Shaheen, I, I think we should plan to have you back in a couple of weeks. Um, All right, sounds sure. like we've got some uh, exams to do. So our next episode yeah. won't be the continuation of this discussion. But instead, Robert, we will have our buddy Pat McFarlane from Liberty Weekly back on doing a continuing series of Star Trek The Next Generation episodes. Uh, we had done a um an episode from season one which was about a society that had a different form of justice and picard had to solve that situation so that was an episode we did a couple of weeks back early june um it's really good and pat is a uh, a lawyer a legal mind and we had a we had it out with him a little bit and i think this one will be season two episode nine measure of a man which is when data is thought of as uh just a machine and Someone wants to take him apart and Data's like, well, hold the fuck on. I am a uh, sentient being and I have rights and Picard has to step up the plate and make that argument. And I think that will be a, an interesting episode uh, for next week. What say you, Robert? Yeah, I can't help but agree. Um, and I was originally looking at Star Trek episodes. Just that first one reminded, you know, I'd remind, remembered that one. But and then it, looking at other of these episodes of The Next Generation, I was like, man, these are all touching on some interesting questions. And I'm sure that there's even way more than that. I mean, that's just on cursory glance. We found these three excellent episodes to talk about. So we could almost, we talked about, we maybe even doing another show or making this a regular feature if this is something that people want to hear. But I know we enjoyed that first one. And I think the next one is going to be equally good. Yeah, and that last one was at lastnighters.com slash 74. So if anyone wants to prep ahead of next week and get the uh, previous conversation in uh, before we come back with that episode, that would be a lot of fun. Uh, we did do a summer series last year with Pat when he was actually studying for the bar exam where we talked about the Netflix series Wild Wild Country. And that can be found at libertyweekly.net slash WWC. Uh, so if you can't get enough of us and Pat and uh, some of the other friends that we've 
done shows with. Um, check that out. But uh, I think that's going to be about the time we have for tonight. So we'll be back next week with just one uh, thing. Just one thing. Uh, uh, when we do, when, when when we do come back, wondering for the next show, do you want to try to do Justice League as well, the the two hour version? Is that that we can just like talk about how the 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 differences between the director's cut, Zack Snyder's cut, and Justice League. Like the the movie that got released, it wouldn't take that long because Justice League is only a two hour movie with with not much to talk about it. So we can fit the remaining Wait, was there of a, Superman. Was there a released version of the director's cut of Justice League? Oh no, no, no. Okay. no but, but we know the script and like we know what was like all the the basic stuff of what was going to be in it. Okay. Yeah, if you want to weave that in, I mean, you you kind of did that in this one, um, where you kind of gave us oh, more. No, not, not, not too much. Mm-hmm. There's still a bit left. And I'm, just, I'm just trying to think of ways because Batman v Superman, all the main points I've already touched up on like about the plot and why Batman kills and stuff. I don't really have much to add to any of that. That's pretty much what I had is in this. So um, it'll be like for about half the episode, we could do the Justice League. And it's 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 very it's not very dense con- content wise like this was. It's a lot simpler and less complex. You just sit down and go like, oh, OK. Whereas, yeah, we can, we can fit in the rest of the Batman v Superman review. And the Justice League review, the the movie version of the theatrical Justice League review, just in one. I'm down. Yeah, I think you're ambitious, Shaheen. But uh, I like that. I like that. That spunky spirit that uh, you've you've found your humanity. Your love uh, for Lois Lane has uh, made you fight through the kryptonite. Uh, (laughs) And you want to continue (laughs) on and and add in Justice League. So, yeah, let's do that in a couple of weeks. So next week, uh, Star Trek Next Generation. And a couple of weeks after that, we'll have you back, Shaheen, to talk about the rest of this movie and Justice League. Uh, any final comments from you for our last night's audience? Me? That's right. Yes, Shaheen. Uh, yeah, just give the movie another shot. Try to understand the plot. Watch the ultimate edition, the the, the director's cut. And that's about it. Use what we said in this to kind of... It's not like the basic, you know, a Marvel movie where you just sit down and just enjoy. You leave reality and you just watch a not-so-complex, superficially kind of plot and then just come back. Like, you have to go deep into this to fully appreciate it. Okay, I think I'm getting an appreciation for that. It feels like the Marvel universe, they have nods and interconnecting pieces to the other movies, like within that universe, but they're not super necessary. Like you can enjoy the films as standalone for the most part. This one, it feels like you can't really enjoy it as standalone so much. Like it's kind of mediocre standalone, but if you sort of have some of the backstory and the nuance, then you start yeah, piecing it together and it makes a lot more sense. So this this episode has actually been very, very helpful for me. And, and I think I would like to explore this further next week or in a couple few weeks. Yeah, me too. Uh, you have made me appreciate this movie a little bit more. I would say that I thought the original theatrical cut was hot garbage, but the director's cut was significantly better. I thought that that made it an above average movie. Now, talking to you, maybe Beavis is an even better movie than that. I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of movies that require you to do homework in order to make them think they're good. But, you know, I do enjoy the fact or the idea that if you are a big fan, you can dig deeper and get more appreciation out of a thing. So that's it's like a Blade that's Runner uh, 2049 situation. here. Yeah. Yeah. You can enjoy it on a different level, surface level, and then you get down a little deeper. And then if you're a super nerd like Shaheen, you can... Yeah. like read the script and like read the other comics associated with it and collect all the action figures and have them play in their underwear and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's that's what you want to do. Yeah. So yep. she, Robert and I are the, the charity, the old charity crones who have a thing for a nerd and you are, you uh, are our nerd and our, man, our Batman <laughs> man. All right. Well, that's nice. going to do, do it for this episode of uh, last nighters episode 78 of the show. 
part one of Batman v Superman. We'll be back next week with Star, Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, season two, episode nine, Measure of a Man with Pat McFarlane of Liberty Weekly. Uh, this episode can be found at thelaunchpadmedia.com as well. And we'll be back in a few weeks with Shaheen for part two. And we'll also cover Justice League. And uh, with that, we'll say good night from last night. All right, and we'll continue just a few more minutes with the actual Anarchy audience before getting into some Kathleen Turner Overdrive with our friend Shaheen. Uh, Shaheen, I don't want to spoil too much more of our discussion um, on the on this movie because we're going to come back and do a whole other episode. So I'll shift gears for a few minutes and let's talk about the Iran tensions situation because you were born there. You then moved to Australia when you were very young. Um, and I think we alluded to this a little bit in the pre-show. But what is um, kind of what is the take from where you sit on what's going on, like our perspective, I think Robert and I, we, we discussed this when he was up here, that this is just bellicosity from the United States trying to drum up some new distraction, some new reason for intervening in in the Middle East and attacking Iran that it seems they've wanted to do for decades. Um, of course, they uh, inspired a coup back in uh, 1955, 56, uh, deposed Mossadegh, 53, right? Yeah, either 53 or 57. Don't remember too well. Yeah, and, and ever since then, um, and that seemed to be an oil-related play, if I recall. Uh, BP was involved, and and then the Ayatollah rose up in the seventies. I, I want to say I, my history on this is yeah. actually the yeah. the Shah, the the yeah. the the seventy nine revolution. That's when the Shah was kicked out, nineteen seventy nine. Okay, all right. So, what is your take on what's going on? Is this is this the United States uh, attempting to manufacture a reason? to escalate tensions there and um, you know give, give a reason or, or reasonable cover to be justified in military interventionism? Yeah, I, I kind of think so. I think that they, they, they just want the military intervention for whatever reason. Either it's like their life goal or they, they just want to get more globalism or more spending for the companies, more, more military funds, more of an empire, whatever. Maybe even the oil, who knows. For whatever reason, they're just trying to find any reason to just go to war, either it's a nuclear thing or this, the ship blew up or the drone was shut down or just, just, just something. Right. Yeah. I mean, that drone was 7,200 miles away from the United States and um, disputable on whether it was within uh, Iranian airspace or not by, you know, a few miles one way or the other. Um, but it sure seems to me like that is a uh, aggressive act on the part of the United States to have a drone 7,200 miles away from the borders of the United States and right next to the Iranian airspace, uh, if not within it. Yeah. So have you been following any of the Iranian take on uh, the bluster really. and the propaganda coming out of the United States? No? Uh, not really, because then I'd just be seeing propaganda from Iran, because you know, the propaganda there is a bit worse. I mean, it's still bad worse here. Worse than here? Uh, oh, it, it's pretty bad. Like, going to the streets. We have CNN, sir. We have CNN and MSNBC. Come on now. <laughs> uh, it's probably, pro probably just as bad. Yeah, Iran has a lot of state-run TV as well. I just Islamic theocracy, revolutionary type of like at the universities as well. You know how I'm not sure if you guys remember, but at university now, like on my campus, I see a lot of communist posters. Like they've got like the camp, the, the uh, campus socialists just have posters everywhere. So when I was in Iran, I went to the university there to see my friend. They just had a lot of anti-Israel posters everywhere. I'm like, ah, oh, they're just like salt. They're, they're just like the socialist groups here, but just different thing, I guess.
Yeah, interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm no fan of uh, any government, but it seems like, I don't know, like um, I envisioned there, there was there's a, an author who wrote, she's an Iranian author, and she she wrote something to the effect of you and I, the normal people, have a lot in common with the normal people in Iran, more so than in common with your own government and likewise with the Iranian people and their government. And it's more that the governments are similar than than the people. You know what I mean? Like the people are... Yeah are more similar to each other than to their own governments. And it, it's an interesting way of looking at it. Um, but it seems mm-hmm. like the governments seem to want to have a, uh, a reason to go to war. And it's almost like they have to manufacture it. Um, and it didn't work with Syria, really. Like they said that Assad gassed his own people. And then, yeah. yeah. And then they tried it again. Um, and it, it, it was one of those situations where what would Assad have been benefiting from doing that? And I got to ask the same yeah. thing with if Iran did attack the this Japanese uh, tanker, what did they expect to gain from it? Like what's in it for them? Uh, the drone thing, I think, is a little bit more like I was saying earlier, you know, it's like, yeah, it's more understandable. Like you're you're right next to the country and you're spying on them. Like that seems to be a bit of a violation. Hmm. Now, I don't know if you know about much about the internal politics of Iran, Shaheen, but a little do bit. You, are there like neocon war hawks in Iran that want oh, war yeah. with the United States? I can't imagine there are anybody that really would want uh, war with they, the United States. They, they, they do a lot of talk, but I don't think anyone would want it because they know how fast they'd be annihilated. They, they always there are a lot of neocon-ish people who are like you know war hawks. We need to destroy Israel. We need to well have more influence. The the, the type of militarism you see right. there is a lot of that. But the, I don't know. It kind of that's kind of part of the mainstream as well. Although there are a lot of people who don't want don't want war and they, they wanna they just wanna get along. They want they want a more westernized. Iran has a very very westernized subculture. Because in the thirties, the Shah at the time, he just westernized everything. And so Iran's culture has been a bit um has been developed more so than any other Middle Eastern uh country, say maybe Dubai. Um but yeah, you you'll find a lot more like Western influence and ways of thinking in Iran than you would like, say, Saudi Arabia. Hmm, interesting. They seem to have a, a fair amount of Western influence. I, I know people when I was in grade school who they went to Saudi Arabia because their dad worked there or whatever in the oil fields. And it seems like that would have had some kind of you know Westernization, right? Having a bunch of people over there for the oil. But anyway, um, I I really appreciate you sticking around this long to talk to our actual anarchy audience a little bit about the situation over there. But I think we're going to get into some Kathleen Turner Overdrive before you have to head off to your to your work. So um, we'll yeah. be back uh, next week with Star Trek The Next Generation, episode um, nine from season two, Measure of a Man. And then after that, we'll be back with you, Shaheen, talking about the second part of the Batman v Superman and Justice League. And uh, we'll re- really appreciate you for that. Um, the uh, show notes for this one will be actualanarchy.com slash 135. And uh, we'll get into Kathleen Turner Drive in just a moment. But any final words from you, Robert, and then, and then Shaheen? No, nah, I just want to thank everybody tuning in. Um, Shaheen for coming on. Always, always a pleasure, sir. Um, I, I, I appreciate a chance to nerd out with a fellow nerd. Um, Daniel tries, but he, you know, he's he can only do so much. He's only so nerdy. He's actually got like a wife and kids and it's like a dad that actually, actually has to like work and do things. And you can't just nerd out all the time. So needless to say, he disappoints me all the time. But, you know, uh, he actually kind of held pulled some of his weight tonight i thought it was really good because he did actually watch like he said the entire director's cut and what like the first half of the theatrical cut and i will finish it 
Nice. And then he's going to watch Justice League. So, you know, I've only been a good that's influence a, on him. That's only two hours, so it shouldn't be, shouldn't be too hot. Yeah. So any last word from you, Shaheen? Uh, nothing really. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure to be on. All right. Sounds great. And we'll have you back uh, in a few weeks. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, Maximum Freedom. Chipmunks. C H I P M U N K. We're the chipmunks. Guaranteed to brighten your day. Do 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 days of the internet, radical libertarians were scattered, lonely, and faceless. Without direction, they resigned to scour the web, sifting through content providers in a wasteland plagued by YouTube demonetization, Facebook jail, and covert internet censorship. But then, in 2017, the Libertarian Union was formed. Finally, the average Joe Libertarian could find a thriving community of independent podcasters and content providers, all in one convenient location. At Libertarian Union, we'll always have the latest news, interviews, discussions, and even movie reviews. With hundreds of episodes and more added all the time, you'll always find something fresh at libertarianunion.com.